Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's a, it's a little chilly compared to what it's been being, a little cloudy, and I guess some more rain out of it, I don't know. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and uh, turn you to the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 13. Uh, we quit in, uh, we'll begin in verse 47 of chapter uh, 13 tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, have a word of prayer. Uh, Sherry Franklin called me before we left, and her and Brother Gary feeling real sick tonight, so yes, we pray for her. Is there any other other prayer requests for tonight? Yes, sir. My cousin, I just found this out yesterday. <coughs> A little over a year ago, he had quadruple bypass surgery. A week from today, he goes in for surgery. He's got a cancerous mass in his colon. He's got to go in. He's had to wait for three months to even get to the doctor in a lot of pain, and they're taking it out and hoping it's in one local area. His name is Jeffrey Grierson. Or you just put Jeff. What's his last name? Grierson, G-R-I-E-R-S-O-N. He's my first cousin. He lives up here in Texas County. <coughs> you may need to let the church, church know about Kim's dad. Uh, yeah, Kim Hammond's dad. Uh, I think I put him on the prayer list. I know Lincoln Penninger. He's, he's not doing He's good. on the prayer list on the <coughs> Your appendages to fall off of you—that uh, it, it was—it was 
much more inclusive than that. <laughs> Covered all kinds of skin diseases and even the insect bites and everything that showed up as a bump or a, or a festering boil uh, that, was, uh, that they had to determine uh, what it was and oftentimes uh, they were outside, they were cast outside the camp when they were diagnosed unclean by the priest and, and uh, the ones who actually had uh, long-term uh, diseases had to stay out there until they were fully healed and if they didn't fully heal they died outside the camp. Uh, and then there was others that healed quickly and they had come, they had to, all this stuff that they had to do before the priest, he had to declare them clean and then they had to make all the ceremonial offerings and the cleansings that went with that. And uh, when I was studying this, when it got back, when it got to this point, verse uh, 47, where it talks about even the clothing of those people and it, that, uh, that had issues or secretions from their bodies, uh, the clothing that they wore, uh, it, was, uh, it had to be cleansed also or destroyed. It depended, and they, the Lord even gave them a, uh, a way to, to judge whether uh, the clothing had a disease that it would carry and spread. And so it was kind of ironic. Now, uh, now, we look at things like this and we think, well, man, that was my clothes and, and I wore them and had all these secretions coming out of my body. I just throw them away. Well, that's fine. And Danny, for us, it's easy for us to go buy new clothes. But in that day, it wasn't that way. And so. Uh, not only did they have to put the clothes together, but they had to fabricate the material that went with it, and they used goat's hair, they used wool, they used uh, uh, hides of animals, and they would have to uh, tan the hides and make it uh, where they could wear these things. Uh, and, uh, and so it wasn't like that these clothes were a valuable asset to the people that owned them. And uh, everything that they had was valuable to them. And so it was imperative that if these clothes did not have to be destroyed, that they weren't. And so the, the Lord knew this. Uh, 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 so the priest was instructed as to how uh, to check these garments of leprosy. And, and once again this week, uh, we're not going to be reading all this stuff because it, it, it's a lot of repetitive stuff. So I hope, I hope and pray that you have read these things. We're going to get into uh, chapter 14 here in a minute also. But the garment the, uh, with the plague of leprosy, it uses a lot of terms like fretting leprosy. That meant that it was one that, uh, that would continue. It would continue to grow. And, and so what, what it turns out to be on these garments is a mildew or a fungus that was in these garments. And they used terms that I'm not <coughs> familiar with like the warp and woof and I kind of looked those up and it talks about the way the thread is put together is one and it talks about how it's seamed and, and the lay of the material it is the other night. I'm not a very, I'm not a seamster, uh, so I, I don't really know what all that means, but the Bible mentions all that stuff and it uses words like that. And of course, there are different interpretations. You probably got it uh, put a little bit different, but he was able to put these garments and he put these garments away just like he did the person. He, he put them, he isolated them for a week. He would look at the, at the stain or the, or the, the, the coloring of it and they, and they said that usually what they saw would be greenish in color. And see, you can tell a man wrote this. Amen. He uses words like greenish and reddish. Okay. So, 
Anyway, it says in verse 49, if the plague be greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin, either in the warp or in the woof, or any other part of the skin, it is a plague of leprosy. So they can look at the color of it and determine, but also if it was just a stain inside the garment of a person that was diagnosed with a, to be unclean by one of these diseases, then that, that, that material in that garment became suspicious. So if anything, any stain or anything was seen in it, then they brought it, they locked it up for a week and uh, in the dark, and uh, he would come back in a week and look at it. And, and the same thing applied to the garment as applied to the person. If it hadn't changed, if it hadn't gotten any worse, or if it hadn't spread, then they would, they would take that garment, they would wash it with water and cleanse it, and, and it would be wearable again. But if it wasn't, they had to burn the garment. They had to burn it with fire uh, because they called it, it said, they said if it spread, it had a fretting uh, leprosy. So it told what to do if, if, if it was a leprosy, they had to burn it. If not, then it had to be washed. Uh, and uh, uh, then it says, then the priest shall command that, uh, that they wash the thing wherein the plague is, and he, and he shall shut it up for seven days. If it had not changed in color, uh, then it could be diagnosed as clean and be used again. So this all seemed Greek and foreign to us, but to them it was a big deal. And so that's why the, the Bible puts it in there. And here's another thing. You look at all these laws and all these things that had to do with garments, had to do with uh, the cleansing <coughs> of the skin. And we're going to get into some things in here in a little bit that... Uh, that is about sanitation, not just cleansing from disease. But when you look at this and you think how many people, and we're talking about over 600,000 men. And, and, and so there's probably, not counting the women and the children, there was well over a million people that, that he's having to, to, to these issues with. And everybody is suspicious of everybody. Everybody's afraid of disease. Everybody's afraid of plague uh, because they have their, 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 they know something about these things. And so not only was a person uh, needed to, to turn themselves into the priest and show that they had something, but if they saw somebody that had an issue, uh, anything running out of their skin, and, and by the way, if it ran out of their skin, they were unclean. I, I'm glad they changed all that stuff because I've been <laughs> Look at me, I'm the same way. I got probably got blood stains in every pair of clothes I got and everything else. I know it. And, and so, uh, you stayed back there on that back row. Oh, they love grass yesterday. I started bleeding down my arm. Just a little of grass. <laughs> but anyway, you. You, you look at these things and, and, and it's almost humorous to us when we read these things, but this was very, very serious stuff because they didn't have hospitals to go to. They didn't have the drugs that we have today. And so for that many people to be that closely associated together that was in this, this little knit community, and I say little, it wasn't little, it was a city. The, what, what's a city with a million and a half people in it in our country? It was, it was a city of that size with them all crammed together. 
and all having to do these all of their animals and all the filth that goes with animals and everything was compacted and everything was in a, in this order that they had it and so they had to keep an eye on each other as well as on themselves because for uh, something to break out in that camp would be catastrophic to them and that's why the Lord was showing them and see see the Lord can stop all of that stuff but he don't always stop all that. That's why we have a we have a plague now. A lot of people say that he's given it to us, and I don't know all that, but I do know that there's been plagues down through the centuries, and he could do like this and stop them, but he don't. It don't work that way. God, our lives don't work that way. God don't don't go out of his way to just try his best to make our life easier for us. Amen. And we got to get that out of our head that if I know the Lord, He's going to make my life easy for me. He don't do it that way. Not the way He functions. He lets He lets our life be lived. Amen. And and He can interfere if He wants to. Well, we beg Him sometimes. He might and He might not. It's up to Him. But He could have done this for these people. But instead, He wanted them to learn to take care of themselves in issues like this. Just like he's given us knowledge, he's given us doctors, he's given us hospitals. How many of y'all take medications? Any at all? Come on, get your hands up. I want to know. How many of you and, and, and aren't we blessed to if you need them, you're 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 blessed if you don't need them. But those that need them are blessed to have a, where they can get their medications and take them every day and they can continue to live normal, healthy lives. It's a, it's a blessing from God. They didn't have that that way then. They were dependent completely on God to tell them how to do these things. And so he, 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 uh, he said that, that if it's diagnosed clean, that you had to wash the garment, if the plague be departed from them, then it shall be washed the second time and, and uh, then it will be clean. So they had to do, go through more than one cleansing process to make for sure. And, it, and then he said, this is the law of a leprosy in a garment. Amen? And, and so we're going to get here into a minute uh, where we're going to be talking about the law of leprosy for a house. Okay? And what's so strange about that is these people were living in tents, not houses. These people were nomadic and living in the wilderness going to a place where houses were going to be provided for them or they could build their own. And so he even prepares them uh, while he's given these laws of leprosy and these laws of clean and unclean and these laws of sanitation. He, he's also preparing them even for the future. So that's why these laws are so important. And that's why they kind of get jumbled up in, 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 uh, in, in all of this. And there's a lot of them. Any questions about the law of leprosy for the garments? Okay. All right, now, we're going to be talking about now, we're going to switch from the, the, the laws of leprosy and the treatments of the garments to the laws for the cleansing of a, of a leprous person who has been diagnosed unclean and who has been, become clean again, okay? And so this uh, verse 2 of chapter 14 says, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. So this is a man that's been healed. And uh, in verse 3 it says the, the priest has to go out. Now the priest is the one who has to encounter all of these people. Amen? Now he, he don't have an immunization shot. 
he don't have anything, but his part of his his work as a priest is that he has to encounter every one of these individuals. Not only does he encounter them, he encounters all of their garments, and he encounters later on all of the, the houses that they will live in. So he's constantly, while this stuff's going on, in the midst of this. One person? The priest. The high priest is the one that makes these decisions. And so the priest should go forth. Uh, now, it don't, the Bible really doesn't tell us it's just the high priest. It just refers to the person that does it as the priest. So if there's other priests involved in it, I, I don't know that. Well, when I was reading it, it never said that he touched it. He just looked at no, it. No, he don't, he don't touch them. Yeah, he just looked and examined them. No, he, he examines them and he's the one that isolates them and he's the one that keeps an eye on them. But he doesn't touch them. No, he don't because to touch them would be to make him unclean himself. Okay? And so this is the law, the law of the leper and the day of the uh, cleansing. The priest shall go. Now instead of going and having the person come to him and, and he's closing them up, now he has to go outside the camp where all of these unclean people are and he has to walk up to them because they can't, they're not allowed to come back inside the camp until he has pronounced them clean. And then they had a cleansing process that we're going to talk about that they had to go through before they could. So he had to go out inside, outside the camp because uh, they were outside the camp where they were sent when they were uh, diagnosed with leprosy. And he had to be whole if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. And so, uh, if this, if he, if he decided it had been, and this is where these these skin issues come in, where poison oak or poison ivy or, or bites or anything like that, and, and it was it was pretty neat that although they were afraid of that and they considered it all a leprosy because they didn't understand exactly what it was, at least they had a, a, a way to quickly get them back into the camp when these things cleared up on. Them. Okay, so some of them uh, outside the camp living may be short-lived, may only be a, a week or a few days, but then some of them may have been years and years, and like I said, even died out there if those diseases never healed and never were cured. And we all know that we have their skin diseases like psoriasis, that gets on people's skin, it turns a yucky red and scaly, and if you have it, I'm not insulting you. My mother had it, and it, I, I understand the constant warfare it was with her. Even with the advanced medications, they can make it, and now they've got a medication that, that can make it almost invisible. And she died in 1999, or 2001. She died in 2001, and they didn't have any such medication at that time. That's 20 years ago. And so when, when you saw her with a pair of shorts on, it was on her knees and on her uh, on the, the front of her legs, and it would get on her arms. You could just see it. And then she was always so ashamed of that, but it was nothing she could do. So these people would have diagnosed her with leprosy. She would have lived outside the camp, and as long as she had that, she would have stayed outside that camp. Well, think about that. And so, and that's just one of the diseases I'm familiar with. And so, uh, and, and God, in His wisdom, He knew that this wasn't something He could get, they could get, but He was training them to understand the way they needed to live in order to stay safe. Okay, and so uh, 
It was, it's funny though here because now when he's, cons he's considered clean, he said then uh, he, he, the priest would command him, say, okay, you're clean. Now you need to bring me two live birds, two birds. And, and you need to bring me some cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. You need to bring these items to me. And uh, the, the priest then would, would command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. Now think about that. Now we know everything that they used the earthen vessel for that was contaminated by blood or anything else had to be what? Had to be destroyed because why? The earthen vessel absorbed whatever was there. So it's, 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 it's neat here to me that this, this blood was put into a vessel that had to be destroyed. Okay, that's another picture of Christ for us in case you don't understand that. That he was the earthen <coughs> vessel that, uh, that our sin was put into as he died on the cross for us. And that's symbolic of that. That's why he had to die on the cross. And so uh, he's, he would take one of these birds and he would kill it in an earthen vessel and he would run water over it as, he, and, as, as they killed it. And the way they killed these birds, remember how they killed these birds? <coughs> they would yank their heads off, okay, is the way they would kill them. And so, and then they could get the blood out of them. And it says, uh, he said, and for the living bird, <laughs> I don't know where it was better to get killed to be the living bird. He said, you take it and you take the cedar wood, you take the scarlet and you take the hyssop, and you dip all of these, even the living bird, down in this vessel with the, with the blood and the water in it. Uh, and and uh, then you take the, the, these items out and you sprinkle these, uh, use these things to sprinkle with. Uh, you use the hyssop, the wood, and uh, the scarlet, and, and the bird, and you, you shake it, you sprinkle it. Uh, sprinkle the, the unclean person with it. And this sounds so silly to us, doesn't it? Don't it sound silly to us? And, and, and when I'm looking, just say, God, why in the world did you make them do this? And it's not that he made them do it. It's, it's, it's all of this is what Christ has done for us. And taken, he took all of this away from us. We don't do these things anymore. Anyway, uh, so uh, he had to sprinkle all this stuff uh, that is to be cleaned from the leprosy. And he had to do this seven times. Seven times, verse 7 said uh, that he shall sprinkle him upon him that is to be clean from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean. <coughs> wow. And, and shall let the living bird loose into the field. So the living bird got turned loose with all this yuckety yuck on top of him and they just turned him loose out in the field. And uh, then he says the one that is to be, that is cleaned shall wash his clothes now you got to shave his head. He shaves off the hair uh, and shave off all of his hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean. Now, that's not, this is just the beginning of the cleansing process, by the way. This is not the end of it. And so uh, they, they let, actually let him come back into the camp, but they don't let him go home. Okay? He's not, he's not home yet. He's got some other things to do. So he comes in, he, he cleans himself, washes himself, shaves his hair, uh, and he said, uh, he shall come into the camp and shall tarry uh, out of his tent. That means he, ain't, he can't go into his house yet. Seven days 
So, well, he got out of the outside the camp. He got out with all the diseased people. He's had the birds killed. He's had all the blood sprinkled on him. Now he shaved his hair off his head and he's, he's washed his clothes. Can I go home now? No, not yet. And you're not quite clean enough yet. Now, what does that tell you about the cleansing? Power. Christ. How soon, how... How long does it take Jesus to clean me and you up? Right now. As soon as as soon as you ask him to. Bam. There ain't no wait weeks. There's no other processes. I don't care what some some churches tell you. That this ain't something that you gotta go through all this ritualistic jump with. This is something that happens instantaneously with Jesus Christ. If you're if you confess it and you you ask him to clean you and he sees your heart matter of fact even if he knows you're going to repeat it Todd he's still going to forgive you and when you repeat it he's going to forgive you again and when you repeat it he's going to forgive you again over and over and over and over we can't hardly comprehend that and some churches don't even teach that I do advise you if you have a sin that you're constantly being forgiven for that you change your prayer from, from praying for forgiveness of sins to praying for deliverance from that sin so you don't have to continue because he can do either. But he will do both. That's a, we have an amazing God, don't we? Anyway, where did that come from? Anyway, so, so he, now he says uh, uh, you got to tarry outside of your tent for seven days. And then it shall be on the seventh day, verse 9, that he shall shave off all his hair. <laughs> yeah, not all the hair off his head, off his, his beard, his eyebrows, even all his hair, he shall shave off. That means if he was like uh, Esau and Harry and Red, they fixing to, he's fixing to start having shave all over. I mean, it's all done. Legs, on every bit of it. And so, everywhere there's hair, it's got to come off. Amen? I don't know about y'all, I don't think I like that very well. I don't imagine they had a, a triple blade Gillette at that time. They did not have a triple blade Gillette, nor did they have probably not shaving cream, nor did they have an electric razor. They you know, used a knife to scrape it off. And it was exactly. sort of, you know, some of them got circumcised with a sharp rock. That's right. You know, they didn't have no pity on them. That's right. There. <laughs> they took an arrowhead and circumcised them with it sometimes. That's right. Anyway, so they, he had to do all of this stuff. Now, it's, it's a big deal to get clean again now. Yeah, it ain't all that hard to get diagnosed unclean, but it's a big deal to get diagnosed clean again. And so this is his cleansing process, and not only has he got to do all this shaving and all this stuff, now he's got to wash his clothes, and he shall wash his flesh in water, then he shall be clean, clean or willing. Alright, look in verse 10. That's on day 7. Now on the 8th day, he shall take, now he's got to, to, to pay, pay for all this. He's got to do his sacrificial offering, because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And not only does the blood cleanse us from our sin, but it makes us clean in the eyes of God. Now, I want you to think about that. It makes us clean in the eyes of God. And so uh, it said in the eighth day, he shall take the two lambs, because he's going to have two lambs without blemish, 
And, and now he's been outside the camp, we don't know how long. So hopefully his family's got these lambs. He takes one uh, uh, of the first year without blemish. And then he says he, says he takes, uh, let's see, two he lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish. So we here's three lambs and three-tenth deals of fine flour for a meat offering or a grain offering, mingled with oil and one log of oil. Now the priest takes all this, and uh, the, the priest is going to make him clean, and he, pre he presents the man before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle. So he takes these sacrifices. And it says uh, in verse 12, he, he shall take one healing, excuse me, one he lamb and offer it for a trespass offering and then a log of oil and, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And in verse 13, he takes the sin offering, uh, which is uh, the, one of the other lambs. He shall slay the lamb in the place where he shall kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. So he has one for a trespass offering, one for a sin offering, and one uh, for a... Uh, an offering before the Lord, the burnt offering before the Lord. That's what the three lambs are for. <coughs> and so he kills them all in the same place. And uh, the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering. And he does, look at what he does. And see if y'all remember, or you, you remember studying this before. He takes some of the blood. He, he puts it on his finger. And he puts it up the, on the tip of the right ear of the one that's being cleansed upon his right, a thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the, the log of oil and pour it in the palm of his left hand. Now where have you heard uh, this, uh, that they put the blood on the ear of the right ear, uh, the right thumb and the right big toe? Where have you heard that? We studied that just a few weeks ago. Where was it? It was done at the, the cleansing and the, uh, it's not sanctification. Consecration. Consecration of the high priest. So this man is going through the same routine as the high priest did before he was clean enough to do the sacrificial offerings from God. So notice the cleansing for this man is the same cleansing that the high priest had to go through. Amen? We're all guilty before God. So what does that show? <coughs> we all have to be cleansed by the same source. Mm -hmm. Where does our cleansing come from? It comes from Jesus Christ. So we all still, whether we're priests <coughs> or being a leper, we still have to have our cleansing come from that one source. And so once he does this, it's part of the, the consecration of this man. Now he takes this oil and he puts some of the oil in his left hand and, uh, and he takes <coughs> his right hand and with, in his fingers and he dips it in this oil and he, he sprinkles the oil with his fingers seven times before the Lord. So he sprinkles it out and he takes the rest of the oil that is in hand and he, does, he puts it on the right ear over the blood that's already there, he takes this oil, he puts it on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right uh, big toe of the, uh, calls it the great toe of the right foot, and, it, and then it says at the end of verse 17, he puts this oil on top of the blood, 
Uh-oh. What's that a picture of? Oil is a, pic a picture of the Holy Ghost in our lives, of the Holy Spirit in our life. You prefer to call him that. Either one. It's the same thing. So you, you take the blood and the oil must be applied to us. The blood for the cleansing and the oil for the purification or the holiness or the godliness or the power, however you want to put it. The combination of the blood and the oil, the combination of the forgiveness of Christ with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it, it makes you a saved person. Amen? You know what here, if you look at it, the cleansing of the blood, the receiving of Christ, has to take place first because that vessel has to be clean in order for the Holy Spirit to come in and dwell. So being saved is a prerequisite to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or he's not going to dwell in an unclean Vessel. Yeah, and a lot of people think that once you sin, once you get that, and you become unclean, the Holy Spirit leaves you, mm -hmm. your body. That's not scriptural. It does not teach that in the scriptural. The, the scripture, the process is, is that when you believe, or and you then you must receive. We saw we talked about that Sunday uh, morning. It's in the book of Acts, chapter eight. It's laid out as plain as the nose on your face that once you believe, these people were believed and were baptized. Yet the Holy Ghost had not fallen upon them. That's what the scripture said. So Peter and John came to help Philip and they laid hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now they had believed, they had been baptized, they have received the power now. And so that is the, the picture of our salvation. And so when the Holy Ghost comes, Paul went to teaching us, and I'm going to get sidetracked. I can't help it though. Uh, when the, Paul gives us a picture of now the Holy Ghost comes to dwell in us, guess how many spirits you are now? You're two. Your, your spirit is still there. He don't kick your spirit out and take over your body. If he did, we'd be mechanical praisers and mechanical worshipers. So your spirit is still in there. That old grungy spirit, the fleshly spirit, the Trinkly. one who lusts, the ones who wants, the ones who desires, the one who can't be satisfied, the one who talks dirty, the one who, who acts bad, and then the Holy Spirit is in there with him. Woo! Can you imagine? And now, Paul says, now there's fixing to be a fight inside of you all the time. I mean, you can relate to that. <laughs> now, there's some people that teach you when you win, the Holy Spirit leaves. Yeah. You really think God's a quitter like that? I don't think we're that tough. I don't think we're tough enough to boot him out, do you? No. I don't think we're tough enough to run him out. <laughs> Amen? And so what happens is the Bible says that the Holy Spirit that's in us when we do wrong and we ain't got sense enough to pray for ourselves, what does he do? He prays for us. Yeah. Intercedes for he us. intercedes for us when we're too dumb to know what we need. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, that's because you get so confused and you don't want to know. No, when you've got this sin in your life and you, you're supposed to be asking for forgiveness, you ain't good to the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, I pray for this guy right here. You put me in him now, and he ain't acting right now. You're going to have to do whatever it takes to get him to see you. <coughs> Amen? Yep. Yep. And we're oblivious to that. Until he puts us flat on our backs. And that's why I was saying bad things happen to good people sometimes. Yep. Cause the, the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in here. Exactly. We don't. Uh, people don't can't look at it and tell what the Holy Spirit does. And so this is the spiritual warfare that goes on inside of us all the time. It's the flesh and the spirit. 
And, and so what does Paul else, does Paul teach us, Todd? He says, my spirit must agree with the Holy Spirit. Does that always take place? No. If it did, there wouldn't be a spiritual warfare inside of us all the time. Uh, this is plain as mud to you, isn't it? <laughs> Clear as mud. But this is the way God has, has made it, uh, His plan for our lives. Our salvation is not to turn us into godly spiritual zombies. Uh, our salvation is to prod us along to, into an a, a obedience to Jesus Christ. And when we obey, and he, it's hallelujah time, <coughs> but we don't always obey. If you didn't, it would be you, free will wouldn't be involved. There wouldn't be no free will involved in it at all. That's it, what we're it would not be free worship, and and God loves it when when we get one. You know what? When we get things right, it makes Him so happy. And when we get things wrong, it makes Him so sad. But He's made a way because He loves us so much. He's made a way to keep us in His will, to keep us safe. All right. I don't know where that came from, but there it was. And so this, this is what it means. This is symbolism that we're talking about here, that this oil went over the blood. Okay? This is part of this man's cleansing process. And then he says, and the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall pour out upon the, where does he put it? <laughs> On this man's head. In other words, all this oil that's for this ceremonial cleansing goes on this man. Okay? And so uh, he, he, he sprinkles it seven times before the Lord. It goes to the Lord, and then the rest of it goes to this man. That's a pretty good picture, isn't it, of, of our salvation and what it is. Now, now he says, now this is a guy that's got wealth. He had wealth when he got diagnosed. His family's still been inside the camp. And they still have maintained his wealth, so this is what he uses. So what if it's a poor man that don't have any wealth, that don't have all of these animals, that don't have three lambs to, to sacrifice? Well, verse 21 says, if he be poor, the Lord makes an accommodation for him. But he's still required to have a lamb. You notice that? Amen. He's still required to have a lamb, but not three lambs. And so he said, he shall take one lamb for a trespass offering to be weighed and to make an atonement for him and one-tenth of a deal of fire and flour mingled with oil. And we learn that this is a grain offering that could be a substitutionary for a meat offering, okay? And so this is what he does. And then he takes this, he still has to have this log of oil. So he still has to have the oil that goes with the, the lamb and, and the offering. And then he can take two turtle doves or two pigeons, and and, uh, and and on the eighth day he goes through all this stuff. It's the same. It's the same thing when it's done with the different animals. And so uh, he he says, and he gets to look in verse thirty, and he shall offer the one of the turtle doves or the young pigeons, such as he can get, even such as he can he is able to get the one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering for the Lord. So. The, the trespass offering was the lamb. All right, any questions about this? But ain't, ain't it easy to see how these mentally priests got so corrupt as time went by? I mean, they were the judges, they were the police, they were the doctors. 
I mean, I know if I had a better mosquito bite, I'd look. I'd give you fifty dollars not to leave camp for seven days. You know. Yeah. I I'm, I could see how how they got corrupt over time, and that when by the time Jesus actually comes along, they're so far. Well, not only was that part of the bribery, but see the animals that they were killing here, were all raised. except that was that was designated to the Lord, <coughs> they received their portion of that every time that meat was theirs. Yeah. And so not they became actually through all these sacrifices, they became way well off, more well off than all these other people, because they had ample supplies of food that was given to them. And if, they, if the rest of the people didn't have nothing else, the priests did. That, so they were used to being a, a cut above, if you will. They were supposedly held to a higher accountability. Uh, but it, uh, as they lost fear, as they lost their fear of God, you know they went, they went corrupt. Sure, they did. They went corrupt as they could Pharisees go. Pharisees and and all these others. And when the Lord destroyed them and put them into captivity, then brought the remnant back together and they merged back together, there were still people of captivity scattered through all the parts of the world at that time. They were still, all of them didn't come back. And so when when they had this annual atonement service. All these people would make that pilgrimage from whatever nation they were in, and they would come to Jerusalem because they had to, because they believed they couldn't be forgiven or have an atonement for sins unless they showed up with their lambs. Well, when they got there, it happened they couldn't bring a lamb with them. So guess who sold it to them? The priests did. And so the priests were just selling. They were making money hand over fist, and then they, they were selling them the lamb that they were going to get to eat later on. So it, it's, it's, it's crazy uh, how, how corrupt. That's why Jesus took a took a switch to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Jesus talked about them the way he did. Yeah. Because they were not who they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be uh, consecrated, uh, sanctified, obedient. obedient servants of God to the people. And instead, they became corrupt. They didn't. They didn't worry about obeying. They sold even animals that weren't top quality, and they sacrificed them because you bought them from. Them. Self-serving. They were self-serving. They were self-serving. That's what they had become, and they got by with it. And greedy. And greedy. Yeah, it, it was sad what they became. But right now, they're not this way because you know why. Because every time they tried to act the way, God smote them right there on the spot. So they had to act right now. All right, so this was the poor man offering. And then now we get to the part, and we're probably going to probably end this. Now we're going to get to the part where he says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Now notice this. Used to the Lord only spoke to Moses, and then Moses would tell Aaron. But now the, Mo, uh, the Lord not only speaks to Moses, he also speaks to Aaron. Because Aaron has been consecrated, sanctified as a high priest, so God is going to start speaking to him also. And so uh, he, he's talking it now. He, he says, This is futuristic. When you come into the land of Canaan, now there, they're a long way from the land of Canaan. Amen. They're, they're years, years. They don't know it yet, but they are. 
when they, by the time they get to Canaan, send the spies out and they come back, so ten of them said, we can't, two of them said, we can't, made the Lord mad, said all of you that left Egypt are going to die. They wound up wandering in the, uh, the, the wilderness a, a total of 40 years till all those people were dead. So this is way before all that. Except for two. Pardon? <laughs> yeah, except for two. And so, uh, so he says, but when you come in the land, so Moses, you got to write this down. Now I want you to know something about this. It's a good thing Moses wrote this down because they didn't have printers. They didn't have phones. They didn't have social media. They didn't have any of this stuff. They wrote this stuff down. And so now listen to me. The, the elders, the priest was responsible, or Moses was responsible because he's the one that received it from God. And he's the one that wrote it down, so he's responsible for seeing that all the people know what these laws are. Because for them to, to, to mess it up brought death to them. So it was imperative that these people knew exactly which animals to bring, what kind of condition these animals were, what, what, what to bring for each sin, and so that when they needed to, and when to bring it. And so Moses imparted this information to the priest people, but remember, he had made it where there was elders, of, of, there was elders or captains or kings or whatever you'd call them from each tribe, and he would deal with them, and then the, the tribesmen, the elders, had it broke down in their tribe for the thousands. They had people over thousands. They had people over hundreds. They had people over ten. So this information was handed down to every one of these until it got all the way down to the people who were over ten families, and then it was dispersed. So everybody had to know this information right here, and they had to get it right. Now think about what a job that would be for over a million people to have to get these, every detail. I've read this and y'all read this and we've studied this and I promise you I'd get it wrong if I had to do one of them, wouldn't you? And I had to have notes to preach. Amen? Don't use them much by God. That wouldn't work in that day. When, they, when you got these notes, you better do exactly what those notes tell you because that was the... Uh, uh, from God. So he, he gave them this, this uh, when you get to Canaan, I'm going to tell you how to find leprosy in the house. Now what, what's he talking about? It's, it's mold. And we know today that, that mold in a house, the spores from the mold can kill you. Can cause you to have horrible lung disease and, and things like that. This is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. And so he called it a plague of leprosy in a house because that's the best word they understood. So he said, now when you get a house and you get somebody owns this house and they should come tell the priest, they, it was up to the people that lived in the house to tell the priest, we've seen something look like a plague in our house. Now these, these people if you are, are pretty superstitious people too. And they've seen a lot of power and a lot of things from the sky, from God, from fire from the cloud, the voice, they've seen a lot of things, the, the water <laughs> coming out of the rock, and, I, and you know, they've seen a lot of things, that, and, the, and the quail landed on top of them when they asked the Lord for meat and the manna from heaven, I mean, they've seen a lot, their shoes ain't wearing out, they're kind of superstitious a little bit of things that they see. 
So when they he he knew that from them, so they were to, it was up to the owner of the house to 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 ask somebody to come and check for leprosy. And he said, when you when the owner comes and says it, it seemeth to me there is as it were a plague in the house. Then here goes the priest. He got to go to the house. And, uh, and the first thing the Bible says, I want you to take everything out of the house. <laughs> I don't know about their houses. That'd be a chore at my house. Amen. <laughs> How about your house? Would it be a chore at your house to take everything out of your house? And where are you going to put it? <laughs> I know where they put it. They put it outside. Okay? No, yeah, we'd get pod or something. Anyway, so he says, take everything, empty the house uh, before the priest goes into it to see the plague. He wanted to be able to see the floors. He wanted to be able to see the walls. He wanted to be able to see everything in the house. So he's got to be able to diagnose this house. And he said, uh, uh, if the plague be in the walls of the house, uh, and he says it's hollow strikes, that means that, that you're going to see stripes in it. You're going to see hollow spots because this plague may be eaten into the stone in the house. That's bad stuff right there. Mm -hmm. Amen. What do we look for in our houses now when they do they go like black mold. Black mold and what do they look? How do they look? What do they look for? They look at the wood. They crawl up on the house and shine it. If it's up under there, boy, it's bad. They gotta get it fixed. Or they or they pull a baseboard out and see if it's no longer edge your baseboard or or they can, if they see it, even in a brick, I guess if you get in a brick, I don't know. Never, I don't have a brick house, so I don't know. But it says that the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow strikes. Now look at this; it's greenish or reddish again. <laughs> greenish or reddish again. That's verse thirty-seven and verse thirty-eight. He said, "Then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shall shut the house up seven days." with all your stuff piled up out of the yard. <laughs> and you can't stay there either, by the way. So you can set up a living room out in the yard and, and over our back, set up a bedroom in the back if you want to and go to the back and sleep all you got to make with you under the stars for seven days. Brother Gary, that'd be real nice over there in sandstorms, wouldn't it? It sure would. <laughs> yeah, all your stuff out there in sandstorms comes in. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so the priest should come back after the seventh day and he shall behold if the plague has spread in the walls of the house. Now, if it has not spread, it says the priest shall command that they take away the stones. If it's, if it's spread, they take away the stones in the house which the plague is in. So now, if, if it's isolated to a certain location, they got to take a hammer and a chisel and they got to bust this stone and this mortar out and get it out of the house. Okay? But that ain't all. Once he diagnoses this with a plague and he starts having them to, to disassemble the walls and take out the, uh, the stone, in verse 41, he shall cause the house to be scraped. Wow, that'd be a work, wouldn't it? You ever try to scrape a rock? <laughs> so now you, it says you take all these stones and you take them outside to an unclean place outside of the city and then you're going to scrape the house and they shall pour out the dust that they have scraped off without the city into an unclean place. And then they shall take other stones, verse 42, clean stones, and put them in the place of those stones that they've taken out. And then they shall mortar or plaster 
uh, put plaster in the house and hold these new stones in. Now you 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 repaired this this leprous spot in your wall, okay? But to, in order to do that, you got to scrape it inside and outside, and all this dust. They ain't got mass. They ain't got goggles. I don't know what kind of instrument they would use to do that. But then they had to sweep all this dust up. It was all clean. <coughs> anyway. And so now he says, and if the plague come again and break out in the house, now you got to go through a lot more stuff. He says, uh, it said verse 44, if the plague be spread in the house, it is spreading leprosy in the house. It is unclean. Now we got to break down the house and tear the stones down, take all the timbers out of it, and take all the mortar off of it and move the whole house, tear it all the way down to the dirt and haul this thing outside the camp and throw it away. It's unclean. Now, I don't know about y'all, but after I seen that happen, if I saw that happen to my neighbor, I'd be kind of silent about it if I seen a, something on the wall in my house, wouldn't you? I was just thinking there'd be a lot of cleaning going on. <laughs> anyway, but I don't know if that went on or not, but if, if, they, if they did what they were supposed to do and reported this, this is what they had to go through. Once they got the priest and the government involved, it was taken and by the door. Okay, once that priest come in and made his diagnosis, it was all over with. It was going to be done the way the Lord had told them to do. And so he, it says, now it don't stop there. Moreover, he that goeth into the house, all the while that it is shut up, shall be unclean until the evening. So when the priest went in and it was diagnosed unclean, he was unclean to the evening. Anybody that went in was unclean to the evening. He that lieth in the house, now he's got to wash his, his clothes. Now he's got to go through this ritual because he's been in this unclean house. And he that eateth in the house shall wash his clothes. In other words, anyone that lived in the house now has got to wash their clothes and clean up. And then the... the now, when it talks about a clean house, now if the priest shows, because everything is, this is all clean and unclean, so if he comes in and beholds and, uh, the, and he shuts the house up, everything's took out, they shut the house up, he comes in, and it has not spread, now he can pronounce the house clean. And, and he shall take, this verse 49, he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop and he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water now we've got to sprinkle the house down just like he did the leper seven times amen and they have to have a living bird and they do the same poor living bird he's the one that's got to be dipped in it and that other stuff and they splash it around and they will turn him loose and that's what made woody woodpecker crazy probably <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> so, so to, and he says in verse uh, uh, 55 uh, or 54, this is the law of all manner of plague of leprosy and skull. I guess that's what they called it on the walls. For the leprosy of a garment and of a house and for a, a rising and for a scab and for a bright spot to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean, this is the law of leprosy. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a lot going on in it. And y'all, I'm going to tell you, I'm not about to fix and start where we got to start now because we're going to be, our next uh, study, uh, verse, uh, chapter 15, is going to be the, the, a 
personal uncleanness. The Lord is going to instruct them on personal hygiene. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's almost like what we would call in church a rated R uh, segment in here. But I figure if it's, if it's in the Word of God, we've got to teach the Word of God regardless. Amen? And so they, they had to learn these things in that day because they didn't have videos. They didn't have boxes with instructions on them telling them how to do hygiene. And so the Lord realized that this million plus people that were going to have hygiene issues. Now listen to me. We, th this part's not in here, but later on we're going to get to the part because they didn't have porta potties. And and he and so everybody, if they if they their bowels moved in a normal way, every day there was over a million people had to go potty somewhere. So you can imagine what these issues were going to be like. There were six hundred and some thousand men. There was probably that many or more women, plus children with diapers and things like that. And he gets into all of these personal details of personal hygiene that he gave the law to Moses that he gave out to the people so they would know. So the men knew what the women were doing and the women knew how the men had to take care of themselves. It had to be told to the people. Okay? So that's what we're going to get into here pretty soon. Not, not, not next week maybe, but anyway. There's going to be some gaps in there with some other things. So we'll, I just went out and found me a cave somewhere. Well, <laughs> let's see, what is today? The 14th? So this is going to be the 21st. We'll start in chapter uh, 15. Okay. Any, any questions or comments about what we studied tonight? It's, uh, it's a lot to it, wasn't it? Well, you know, you I can was, see how the plagues, you know, they wiped out millions of people in Europe and almost all the Indians. And you could, I mean, a, a giant plague could walk through 600,000 people like that if they're that tight close without God intervening. So all this hygiene stuff was <laughs> and plague and uh, was important. But we know that filthy conditions breeds disease. Yeah. When you got rats, and not just that, there's people who live in squalor. They do it on purpose, they want to. And they're not healthy from it. It, it, it has an effect on their health. You know, when their tents and stuff's made out of hides, and I've tried two or three times, I can't never, I can't never tan a hide, it don't stink a little bit, so I give up on the whole. <laughs> the whole time. Well, any time they they yeah. use stunk too. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Brother, don't you don't you think? Well, it, to me, it jumps out that this is as much a procedure in obedience as it is anything else. Uh, we know there was no cures. There was no other than the Lord taking care of it. But they had to obey this to the T, day in day out. Their life uh, function around these activities and the sacrifices and the things they had to do. And I think it was more of that, kind of like it is today. God wants us to be obedient and listen to Him and do what He says. And that's exactly what these people were having to do. Exactly. I can imagine now the, the well, I don't think I'll go this time. I'll just wait and go next week or whatever. And, and but I'm 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 sure the Lord displeased with those that didn't 
well, obey and do what he told them to do exactly that, the way he told them to do it. That themselves, they, they didn't know. The, the individuals didn't know. And you take, say, a man or a woman, a husband or a wife, with children in a tent, and they began to see something appear on their body. Now, in their mind, this is leprosy. I need to go get this checked. Or I can cover up. Now, if I cover up, not knowing whether it contaminates my family, I could kill my wife. I could kill my little kids if I don't. So it was a lot of responsibility that they had to take on. But you're right. There was probably a lot of them said, well, I'm going to cover this. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to see this but me until I'm pretty sure. And they probably went fast longer than they should have before they'd go to a priest. And some of them may have covered it up and, and, and watched it disappear themselves. It's human nature to, to do things like that. I'm sure the Lord knows it and he's aware of it. Yeah. And we're not fooling them. We're not getting bothered anything with them, so they didn't. Well, so look at our quarantines. <laughs> exactly. Look at, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, we, the, look at our quarantine. To me, a quarantine is when you're supposed to shut yourself in the house and you ain't supposed to go nowhere and you ain't supposed to contact no one else, and nobody else is supposed to come in contact with you. That's quarantine. Mm -hmm. Okay? What did our quarantine look like? Well, I need to run the grocery store. I just don't wait for everybody. God didn't tell me to quarantine. The government did. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I understand that. But I'm just telling you, when we, we know what quarantine is supposed to be, yet we fudged and cheated as much as we could. And, and so you can imagine the heart and mind of people ain't changed none since back then. They did the same thing. We know they did. The Bible just don't talk about it. So, Quarantine is when you tell healthy, uh, sick people to separate themselves and, and be away from people. And tyranny <laughs> is whenever you tell healthy people to quarantine and stay away from people. That's right. That's tyranny. That's right. That's what what was they cleaning all this stuff with? Clothes and you know they didn't have soap. It just said. Hyssop, that a type of vinegar? Uh, Hyssop was a plant that they used that they used like a paintbrush. They'd dip it in there and it splashed. Okay, it. I yeah, thought there was, was a vinegar it. type uh, <coughs> at that time. It just said they scraped it and then took a dust and dumped it on a, on a clean yeah. place. They just washed it with water, is what it said. Okay. That's what the scripture said. They washed it with water. And that's all it said. And you know, part of their hygiene. Them people didn't take a bath every day. There wasn't enough water around there. They wouldn't, how could they do that? I, I don't know. You know, I take a bath every Saturday. I never miss a Saturday. <laughs> I try to remember. And I don't know whether they did that or not. <laughs> anyway, would y'all stand, please? I appreciate you for being here tonight. Thank you for listening and thank you for your. And, and try, we're trying to make this stuff as interesting, interesting as we can, and and uh, and. and, and and keep involved in it, and I know this is one of those this, this study here is where you just kind of bogged down in all this stuff. But I promise you, it's going to get better. We'll get unbogged one of these days, and, and there's a reason the Lord put everything in this. If you did, how many of you believe that you need the Word of God, all of it? Amen. Then, it, then we need to study it because it's here, and there's a reason we need to know it. And so that's that's the way I focus on our studies. Now, thank you for being here. And my grandkids are here. 
And uh, they'll probably have some questions back in the way, but I'm working them like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made six quarts of chocolate ice cream mm -hmm. night before last night, and a drop of left right now. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we love y'all. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless y'all. Brother Todd, would you just miss it, please? Lord, thank you for the goodness of your word and, and this family, Lord. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for the new covenant and the better covenant. Lord, when we look at these things, uh, it's a much easier covenant, but it, and it comes with the promise of eternal life, Lord. And that's just the greatest blessing of all, Lord. And through your son that you gave freely, Lord. We just, we just don't know how blessed we are, Father. Thank you for that. Lead us and guide us, Lord. You know what's best for us. Give us our sins, Lord. Be with each one of us constantly, Lord, as we go our way. And we thank you and ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. <laughs>